Hey, thanks for joining us on a Monday as we continue through the Gospel of Luke. We are in the 12th chapter, um, starting the 12th chapter, and I think um, not that the 11th chapter didn't have some great stuff in it, but it also had some kind of challenging stuff, and that, that will be somewhat true in this chapter too, but I think some of the material in this next chapter is going to feel a little more devotional, uh, a little less um, out there in some cases, maybe um, probably no less challenging, though, in, in some of this. So let's jump in, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Meanwhile, when the crowd gathered by the thousands so that they trampled on one another, he began to speak first to the disciples. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees, that is, their hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that won't become known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed from the housetops. So this is an interesting scene because we're told that there are so many people that they're beginning to... um, step over one another, uh, just crowd one another. And yet in the midst of that chaos, Jesus has this almost intimate word with the disciples. And and we are just coming off as we closed chapter 11. We're just closing, just coming off a section in which Jesus has um, had very strong language for the hypocrisy of the religious people of his day. And here he summarizes that, warning his disciples of their hypocrisy, the yeast. And and again, Jesus uses that as a sign of something that raises the dough that spreads. And then he has these really interesting words, Michael. Nothing covered that won't be uncovered. Nothing secret that won't be known. If you set it in the dark, it will come to light. And if you whispered it behind closed doors, it will be proclaimed from the housetops. And that is, uh, that is a challenging, um, maybe even frightening word. The, the idea here again that, that what Jesus does, what Jesus envisions is a kind of faith that strips us to our core and sees behind all of our masks and all of our barriers and all of our walls and goes to the heart goes to the true condition of who we are and the true evidence of what we say and do. And uh, this is one of those passages, you know, you can kind of just hear this as a word to the disciples, but if you really stop and listen to this, I, I think this is a this is a sobering kind of text. Well, it's especially sobering, Clint, in the sense that we know what has come before it and that this language has been used as a attack against those people who we would understand to be Jesus's enemies. I mean, the place that we left the text last time that we were studying together was indeed this word about the hostility of the Pharisees and the scribes that verse 53, they began to be very hostile toward him, to cross-examining him, lying in wait. So when we turn forward and we move into chapter 12, and we now see this as a teaching offered within the fold, this, I think, should cause us to ask some questions of ourselves, because ultimately, Jesus is making it very clear that it is the leaven of the Pharisees, but that that leaven can live inside the believer, and that there's a real danger that we might find ourselves in a similar circumstance in which we 
try to obfuscate. We try to hide. We try to build barriers that we can live behind, and that you know we begin to live a kind of duplicitous life. And Clint, you don't actually have to look very far in Christian history to find entire communities of Christian faith and life that does live upon this kind of two-faced reality in which stuff happens in dark that would never be accepted in the light. People doing stuff who uh, would, in the light of day and in front of people, you know, say that this is sinful and shouldn't do this and shouldn't do this. And then at night when they think no one's watching, that's exactly what they go to do. And uh, the idea that this is not just a enemy problem. This is not just for someone outside the fence, but that this is a spiritual reality which must be measured for those within the community. This should be a sobering kind of text for Christians today. It should be devotional in the sense that this is offered as a a kind of teaching to those first disciples. I think the beauty of the transition here that Luke gives us is it's easy to look at the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the news stories of our day, the Christian history, the the Christians through history who have been guilty of it, and see hypocrisy. The hardest place to see hypocrisy is in ourselves. And I think Luke gives us this moment, this kind of quiet moment with the disciples in the midst of this giant crowd. Jesus has this very personal word for them. And as we listen in on it, a very personal word for us. And, and I don't want to simplify this. I, I don't want to minimize it or um, sort of make it cute. But we we all heard it growing up, right? Don't if you wouldn't share it, don't say it. If you don't want people to know it, don't do it. Keep those to yourselves. You know, if if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, don't say it at all. That kind of idea here. And this is the deepest, most spiritual version of that. To, to challenge the disciples then and now with the idea that there will be a day when our true motivations are known, when our true behaviors are known. It is easy to try and appear to be something. It is far more difficult to actually be that something, but that's the calling of Christ on our lives, is to be that which we sometimes pretend to be. And so this warning that it's all coming out, so live accordingly. Make your decisions accordingly. Make your judgments and choose your words accordingly. I I think this is a This is a tremendously impactful idea if we sit with it for a while. You know, the text in many ways is a Christian primer to the theological concept of sin. And I I think I make that case here because what we see happening in verse 3, this idea of the things that are being said in the dark will be heard in light, the things whispered behind closed doors be proclaimed from housetops. Sin is by its definition an absence of goodness, an absence of truth. It is darkness because of the absence of the light. And it is the nature of humanity that we are drawn towards this darkness because 
ultimately, there's a kind of inherent temptation in that. But what Jesus is making clear is that at the end of the day, the light exposes the, those dark places, that we should expect that revelation, Jesus Christ himself, of course, being the re- revelation of God, the revealed light of God, that the revelation will ultimately expose that brokenness within us. And so the ultimate question for the disciples is, will you be like the Pharisees and protect that part of yourself? Will you nurture the darkness? Will you live in sin and know it and then still grow that and nurture that? Or will you confess it? Will you be honest? Will you allow the light to expose that and then therefore confess and therefore find yourself in the arms of grace and forgiveness. This this is in many ways, Clint, a beautiful and simple telling of the salvation message, though we might not always think of it in that way, but it's an invitation to Christians to realize that there are real choices. Will we be like Pharisees who in this case exemplify those who uh, keep the light of Jesus Christ from revealing that brokenness? Or will we be those who are courageous enough and humble enough to let that light reveal what's true and then to find grace on the other side? Yeah, I think, Michael, I might even go so far to say not only a warning, but there's a sense of confession here. There, mm. There's a sense in which this passage confronts us and forces us to admit that we can all be Pharisees. We all have that in us. We, we all have a tendency and a temptation to to want to look better than we know ourselves to be and to try and present something which we might not always live up to and and I think that there is uh there is freedom in that confession but there's also serious responsibility in it as well and accountability and so yeah not not a not much not a long passage but uh Really powerful. I, I think if you listen to this one, it kind of kind of hits like a hammer. Yeah, and part of that hammer maybe is very contemporary, Clint, in the sense that that this word here, hypocrisy, is one of the chief complaints leveled against organized religion in our day. The idea that Christians have claimed that we should be something, and then we publicly approve or publicly accept behavior or ideas or words that are radically divergent from the things that we claimed, uh, that makes this even more pressing, I think, if we're going to be honest. What it does is it calls Christians to account that instead of being fixated on focused on what others may or may not be doing right or what they may or may not be doing wrong, Christians would do very well to clean house. We would do very well to tend to the darker places of our own souls. And that's not a comfortable call, Clint. It's not a comfortable thing to be told that we have to be responsible for engaging in these places that we, by definition, don't want to go. But there's something about spiritual discernment. There's something about spiritual maturity um, involved in that conversation. And I think we do well to not rush beyond words like this to the next words because this is an uncomfortable section. It It's uncomfortable because it was pointed and it, because Jesus is wise, and we should live in that. Yet Jesus and the New Testament in general are never surprised when the world acts like the world. The word hypocrite means an actor, one who plays a part. And that is no surprise to Jesus that there are people who do that. It is a disappointment. It, it is even a thing that angers Jesus 
that Christians do it, that people of faith do it. It is part of our struggle because we're human, but Jesus is going to have harsh words for those who seek to appear to be something that they're not genuinely trying to be. Um, th- those, the words reserved for those people in Jesus in the Gospels are almost exclusively um, harsh. And so um, th- this, we, we will see this idea again. We'll see a little bit of it in tomorrow's passage. But this is a, this is a, um, I just think a really convicting kind of moment in the, in the gospel. I'll be very brief with this, but, but your comment there, your use of the word genuine triggered for me a, a particular thought. So we just at the, um, counter, we were doing dishes together as a family just last night and, uh, our girls were supposed to unload the dishwasher and they started arguing with one another over, the fact that the other wasn't doing the stuff that they were supposed to do and they were keeping score and they were going back and forth with each other. And they started telling each other what the other one was thinking. And I, I there was a moment where I said, you know, you, you guys don't know what the other person's thinking as best as you think you do. You're not in another person's head. And I think that, that word genuine is so helpful. We are very quick to ascribe to other people. Well, you didn't mean that, or you didn't say that on purpose, or we ascribe what is or isn't genuine to another person. This is by definition a hard text, Clint, because it resists that, because it's not about whether or not they're genuine. It's not about the hypocrisies. Jesus has already had a word with them. That was just a few verses before. This word is for us. And the genuineness of our action can only be measured between ourselves and God. And when we try to rush beyond that relationship, that's where we get into trouble. Once we start attributing to other people, this is what's genuine for you. I I think that's where we find ourselves in trouble. Yeah, I, I imagine it would be a very humbling and probably direction-setting practice in those moments of our life where we are tempted to hide something to think someday this will be out in front of everyone. Right. This that, is going to be played. That could that could uh that could be helpful. It would certainly be humbling. <laughs> that it would. Uh, we're humbled uh to have you with us and glad that you stay with us to this point. Uh we are thrilled for those who are regular participants in these studies. We've now broken 600 subscribers on the YouTube channel, and that is really amazing. We hope that you'll continue along the journey of Luke with us. We're certainly blessed to have you here. We look forward to seeing you next week or tomorrow. tomorrow. Not next, well, and next week, but tomorrow. See you Thanks, soon. everybody. <laughs>